All I know is I've been doing that show for 337 episodes, so I must be doing something right. And, and what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? I'm hosting a goddamn national television show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of the PG Wrestling Retrospective. My name is Lewis, and I'm here with my co-host, my partner in crime, my best friend, Jack. How you doing? This is this is the only wrestling podcast that chronologically reviews chronologically reviews every wrestling pay-per-view of the PG era, and says like more than. I'd say over a hundred times per episode. Yeah, like, like you know, like yeah, that, that's what's gonna happen. Like, we're bloody millennials. We just say liked so much. We spend too many time on our snap tweets. You know? Yeah, you know, like Insta book, whatever. Insta book. Mister goes on Instagram once and posts like one photo of shoes <laughs> or something. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. <laughs> All right, so we are here to review the Great American Bash 2008. It took place on July 20th from Long Island, New York. And it is the last WWE pay-per-view with a TV-14 rating. Because literally, two days later, they changed all programming to PG. And Jesus Christ, it shows. (laughs) Yeah, you can really tell in some parts of this pay-per-view that it's definitely not PG. Oh, it's it's very, like... It's not terrible, like, in terms of, like, horribly offensive content, but it's very, like... They wouldn't do it. Like, you can tell a year later... You wouldn't be anywhere close to this. See, we don't want people blading. What we do want, though, is Brock Lesnar to bust you open safely with his fucking elbows. You know? Yeah. It's good stuff. Of course. Of course. That's that's a safe way to get a concussion. So, the pay-per-view kicks off. Vignette for the Vicky and Edge wedding. And I completely forgot how much I loved this angle in this moment. <laughs> Well, I mean, it kind of, uh, we'll see as we keep watching pay-per-views further on, but it actually goes for, like, a really long time, I think. Like, the you can see the remnants of this angle up until about WrestleMania the next year, maybe even a bit further. Oh, it's, and this it's already been going on for a long yeah, time, like, exactly. since Edge returned from injury. Like, yeah. And, and, I don't know, it's, it's just a very typical Edge thing to do. Like, what does Edge do when he comes back? He seduces the boss. Yeah, Because you know, she's yeah. a widow, you know, that's what Edge does. <laughs> Real classy Edge. Yeah, and um, yeah, we look at all the build-up. It's a very nice, um, very nice vignette, obviously. you got the WWE production value. Yeah. No no long monologue at the start, though. I used to like... Thank God. I loved those when it'd be like, like, you look back on some early 2000s. Some of them movies. are pretty good, I won't lie. Today, the backlash of the vapid fortitude of his... <laughs> so and, true. Yeah, it's just Vince language. And um, we open up, and commentary team, uh, Mick Foley and J- Jim Ross. Is that it? I barely remember Mick Foley doing commentary like ever. It was a bit before the time I started watching. See, I remember there was a clip of him on um, on Raw, basically, and he was just talking about how he'd get yelled at a lot, because basically... He's he's good. He's not the best, and he's very like unVince McMahon, like not what he wants on commentary. And there was a there's a moment on Raw. There's the clip of this online where um it's like a Raw lottery thing where it's like Vince is giving away like a million dollars or something, and Mick's like, oh, so he's giving away his own money, and like they're like, yeah, and he's like, wow, he hasn't wasted this much money since he signed Bill Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of and it's just like my god, I miss that angle. That was good. 
the, the raw millions. Yeah. That's, this happened... It was, this, like, in the lead-up to WrestleMania 23 or something? No, no, know. this happened, like, this was right before this, because there's... Oh, okay. Like, we were talking about how Vince McMahon got taken off TV, and I was like, oh, how did that happen? I found out it was on the last ever, like, raw lottery thing the set collapsed on him <laughs> i saw vince's dad like three different times actually that's uh funny the time he got exploded in his car or whatever <laughs> the time he got exploded <laughs> well i don't know they um i was reading about it they um they put up on the corporate ww website that vince had died oh my god and then the stock actually crashed really hard because everyone was <laughs> like oh my god vince mcmahon died we need to sell up all our stock and so they've never done it again like when in the store like well, they don't post it on the corporate website well, they, they did like a thing this this was probably like before or maybe even after this they made the same mistake again when there was like the thing where donald trump bought raw yeah and they posted that on the corporate website <laughs> and they're stock dropped again so they're like oh we gotta fix this let's yeah. not make this a story like yeah that. let's not put corporate like um website articles up donald trump in the hall of fame though that age as well yeah. oh god <laughs> can we talk about trump for a minute it's a political wrestling podcast. watch out watch out boys um so we open up with a uh, fatal four-way for the wwe tag team titles that the we do ones and it's uh Morrison and The Miz, tag team that were great. I love John Morrison. Versus Hawkins and Ryder, who I have no opinion of. <laughs> well, they were part of La Familia at the time. They were like the henchmen yeah, lackeys. But they were they like, like Edge's Miz Taraj. Yeah, it was like them and like... Who was the guy there with like the weird beard? He was like... Chavo? Bam Neely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like Chavo's bodyguard. So they had like three bodyguards and Chavo. So it's very hard to care about all of them. <laughs> So I just have no opinions on them. Versus Jesse and Festus. The greatest tag team of all time. Luke Gallows looks so bad. You can hardly tell it's even the same person. No, he looks like 60 in this. Yeah. He's like balding and yeah, fat. It's, it's so bad. And versus... I take that back. Jesse and Festus are not the greatest tag team of all time. The next tag team is Finley and Hornswoggle, who are on the ECW brand. And they were doing the whole father-son angle. <laughs> I was never quite sure where the Vince's illegitimate son angle resolved and the Finley son angle started. Yeah, it was... It kind weird. of all just blended in together. Yeah, like, there was never, like, a real, like, reason why. Like, if I remember correctly, it was, like, just ages of Vince just beating up Hornswoggle, being yeah. like, you're my son. And then Finley came out and goes, no, he's my son. And it's like... Okay, but how did that happen? <laughs> like, like what what happens? It's, yeah, I'm really not sure. But that's it, one that just fell through the cracks. Fell through the well. They were on ECW, so yeah, was, that's true. There's nothing more extreme than Finley <laughs> Hornswoggle. Let me. Tell I you think something. a lot of those angles fell through the cracks. <laughs> See, like looking at like even looking at this match, like I forgot that Hornswoggle was actually like a worker. Like he was good. In the I, ring, I wouldn't say good. Yes, but he was all pretty solid. He like, did his best, I suppose. He's no El Torito. No. <laughs> he's no super poor. Hornswoggle or Spike Dudley? Who are you picking? <laughs> I'm picking Kevin Owens, <laughs> the freshest of the vanilla midgets. And um, commentary, kind of playing up um, arrogance of Miz and Morrison, but also Hawkins and Ryder have the home field advantage. You can't tell because the crowd is basically <laughs> just dead for them. Yeah, well, like you said before, it's really hard to care about all of La Familia and they're basically on the bottom and barely get screen time at all. Mm. So, I mean, 
They're the two dudes who look a bit like Edge because of the long hair. Like, yeah, like I didn't even. Well, I kind of remembered Hawkins and Ryder were in a tag team, but like the long hair really threw me off. <laughs> it's so weird seeing them with long hair. Yeah, Zack Ryder. I just, I now he permanently to me is like the take care spiky. Yeah, head. like the 2011 era internet champion yes. Zack Ryder. That's always what he will that's, be to that's me. That's based Zack Ryder right yeah. there, and it was. Uh, and it's just weird. Like you can have him, you can have Hawkins and Ryder as like bodyguards for Edge, interfering in matches. But to put him in like genuine, like lots of tag team competitions, like a top tag. Team, I think it could have worked if but, they. Well, they could have done obviously not to compare La Familia with the Four Horsemen, <laughs> but um, but like if Edge was feuding for the world title and Chavo, I don't was the cruiserweight title thing. No, point? that no, was Hornswoggle won it in like two thousand six and then true. killed it because yeah. Hornswoggle was the greatest. That's of all like time. kind of the lost era to me. Like um, just starting here is kind of where my era begins. But like uh, you could have had Chavo feuding for like the Intercontinental title and then. Um, Hawkins and Ryder going after the tag titles, oh. which is what they're doing now. Well, Chavo was fresh off a run with the ECW title. Well, as well, that's true. He could have, yeah. He like he like won he won it from Punk and then lost it to Kane at WrestleMania twenty four in two seconds. We'll talk about Kane in a bit because they're pushing Kane. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I just feel like La Familia, while a really good stable, was just kind of solely there for the purpose of pushing Edge. Yeah, but that, that compared worked. to something like Evolution. Well, that worked in this case because, like, it pushed Edge really well. It's, it's also kind of like looking at we're about to, we're kind of seeing not on this pay per view, but in the next couple, we're going to see the beginnings of like the Legacy faction. Yeah, and if you look back, starting is priceless. Yeah, and if you look back at Legacy, the only person who got really over from that was Randy Orton. Like, That's they, true. Yeah, that just made me more of it. So I think there's a place for. But stable. I think it got the other two guys, uh, Ted DiBiase and Cody get... Rhodes, somewhere. It got well, it got after, them to the tag titles. It got them to beating DX clean. Yeah, but after that, they like they really like they they gave Cody like the solid IC title run minus him losing to Big Show. <laughs> and they but Diviosi, they had no idea what to do with him. Like they had the brief bit refuted with gold dust over the yeah, million the, dollar yeah, title. Yeah, the million dollar belt was pretty good. Yeah, but then they took it away and made him a baby face who spent time with his fans, but never changed his music, which was just constantly like, "I'm rich, <laughs> but I'm a good guy." Yeah. Um, well, I mean, DBRC never quite struck me as the most charismatic wrestler in the first no. place. It was mostly Cody doing the talking. Yeah, we'll get to DBRC being a charisma yeah. vacuum. That was good stuff. But um, the worst part, back to the tag match. Oh, right? yeah, back about. to the tag match. The worst part, in my opinion, was Miz coming to the ring in like... Well, firstly, he's got those like... Oh. Shorts and then like the long shorts underneath his like actual shorts. Don't forget his fedora. Well, that's what I was about to talk. <laughs> he's got the mohawk right, but then he comes to the ring in his fedora. I just like he's standing there next to John Morrison, who's got like the slow mo hair blowing like entrance yeah. thing, and, and then Mrs. Like just dweeb. like Mrs. Just like Milady. <laughs> <laughs> it was like genuinely because like I I love um, Cassius Ono, right? Yeah, but it was genuinely difficult for me to be like. Who is worse dressed, Miz on this show or Cassius Ono now? <laughs> that was just... surely. I know Cassius Ono is not exactly a fashionista, but surely he's no Miz, fedora. Where Miz gets the Miz, Miz gets the nod as being yeah. the worst, <laughs> worst dressed, worst ever. dressed ever. Um, Festus has has his great gimmick where he's basically just like nowhere, like his brains, yeah, his brains dead before a match, and then he just spazzes out as soon as yeah, the match like uh, I think it was. 
uh, Mick Foley or something who said, as soon as the bell rings, Festus becomes a new man. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... it was interesting to see. I think the match started with actually the bell ringing and then Festus just went crazy and cleaned yeah, everyone clean out, out of the ring. ring. Like, was, sure. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Like, if you just ignore their entrance, their gimmick how they both look jesse and festus are a great tag yeah team. yeah and i think during this match actually um just about all of the tag teams were, apart from maybe finley and hornsocker were oh. actually booked like they were either the existing champions or about to win the championship mm, but even like even if looking at finley and hornswall they they still had a good time to shine like the hornswall did a dive to the outside and it was like it, like they, every team in this match had a like a good chance it was actually, to shine. Yeah, it was actually like a really decent match. Except I Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, they <laughs> didn't get much of a chance to shine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, Finley just spamming double leg takedowns and everyone to get points in EA UFC. But I thought, yeah, that bit was really weird. I thought, well, it's Finley in... style. He just spams double leg yeah, takedowns sure. and punches people. <laughs> Finley loves to double leg takedowns. I was. I was pretty gutted when the match ended and we didn't have a shillelagh sighting. That's like that's like <laughs> that's classic the, Finley to that me. That is Finley. He is a shillelagh yeah. in green pants. Like I suppose Hornsog was actually in the match, so he wasn't around to like throw the shillelagh to him from under the ring or whatever. Like no, he had it like on the on the like in the corner under the table. Oh yeah, that's right. He brings it to like the ring or something. Yeah, I don't know why a ref allows him to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well like at WrestleMania Triple H brings a sledgehammer to the ring, it's well, yeah, I guess. I suppose but... in WrestleMania 23, he like threw it through the glass or whatever. <laughs> We're getting ahead of it. What about the bl- What about the Bludgeon Brothers? Like just to take it to like the yeah, but they the... just yeah they just leave it on the ramp. Yeah. And those hammers are very clearly made of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> the Bludgeon Brothers. I want to. I, I didn't want to get super sidetracked on like current product. Yeah. The Bludgeon Brothers, like Harper and Rowan, are great, but they have done everything to ruin them. <laughs> they look like cosplaying as Kane with plastic <laughs> Thor hammers it's the it's terrible I actually think they're gonna have a solid um shot at the titles I suppose at least they're kind of like I don't know this is a terrible comparison but like the Oscar of the Smackdown <laughs> tag division the Oscar of the Smackdown tag division they, except they've lost a lot yeah more. oh yeah but like in their current uh incarnation in that they're not gonna face the champion for a long time but they're just gonna beat everyone else and they can't face the champion because that kind of win straight away. Yeah. No, I, I can understand that. Um, Jesse and Festus a lot better than I remember. Jesse kind of looks like a redneck Chad Gable. <laughs> redneck Chad Gable. That's probably... That's a pretty good comparison, well, he's, actually. He's doing some... Like, he's not doing as good chain wrestling as like Gable would do, but he's doing some good like, well, I mean, ice spots. Are you trying to compare like the tag division in 2008 to the tag division in 2018? Oh, we're good really stuff. spoiled, aren't we? Yeah, we are. The tag divisions have taken such a leap forward. <sighs> It was just like... Also, there was a moment with... um, Keep trying to call him Gallows when Festus... (laughs) He he starts like he's calling for a move... And he starts slapping his thighs. Ooh, watch out. Well, I was like, what's he going to go for? Of course you noticed that. It's hard not to notice (laughs) when a big 50-year-old dude's just slapping his thighs. And and the crowd's clapping along. And I'm like, what's what's he going to (laughs) do? Really tuning up the band. (laughs) I can can only describe what he did as like... A bonsai drop, but with his dick. <laughs> like, that sounds good. It was like he did like a Luthes press to the dude's chest. I don't know <laughs> who it was on, but it was just like probably Hawkins and or Ryder. It was the it was the ball drop. Like, that's what you had to call it. It was it was very very bad. 
Uh-huh. And of course, uh, you got to love Jim Ross comparing John Morrison, your second favorite wrestler, to Rick Rude. <laughs> and he, he did that on SmackDown before as well. Like. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe, I don't know, JR just comes up with like a few notes beforehand. <laughs> it's just like, John Morrison, he has abs. He reminds me of Rick Rude. Hey, John, can you grow a mustache for me? <laughs> He just starts wearing like air sprayed on um, pants as well, but they're <laughs> Picture like of the Miz. Yeah, <laughs> but they're like his bejeweled pants as well. Oh uh, man, John... I miss John Morrison. Well, Starship have... paint is such a good finisher. See, I I don't mind like it makes little contact with the person, but I still kind of liked it because it was flashy. Well, like when he hits it, I feel I always felt like he the best way to hit it was just his legs smashing into like the person's chest or whatever yeah but i suppose that might actually be painful yeah they started doing it where he kind of do it like yeah, an he elbow, kind of but yeah. like he not really hit the person he kind of clips the person with like his torso as he goes down yeah. i think that he didn't get all of it as the commentators say but yeah um no, and, but like John Morris and The Miz really shining like they were a great tag team they yeah. had like really good chemistry unfortunately this matchup wasn't really their match I, no. I would say it was more focused on uh, actually the other three tag teams I know I said before that uh, Hornswoggle and Finley didn't really get their time to shine but thinking back on it The Miz yeah. and Morrison did absolutely nothing in this match well they got in like a good like double team move or two oh, watch out sick, that's like... how you win the tag championship <laughs> Hell yeah, if you do a double team move, you're a tag team special. <laughs> but like, it was it was a weird kind of matchup because it was good and it was fast-paced. But Hawkins and Ryder, like, the crowd didn't respond to them. And unfortunately, the getting to the finish of the match, um, Hawkins and Ryder counter a rocket launcher by Jesse and Festus and pin Festus to win the titles. Yeah. So it's like a heels winning the championships from the heels. They're in their hometown. Yeah, but the crowd like absolutely nothing. Nothing. It was like I can That wasn't of... the best choice for a title change. No, I can understand them being like, well we want to get the gold to La Familia to kind yeah. of like but no one in La Familia has gold. Like, and at, at that point La Familia was just about to implode. Yeah, they I were don't just know... crumbling at the seams. I don't think they lose the titles on pay-per-view so i don't actually know when they lose their titles i'll look it up this is this is another observation of like pay-per-views from this era like we're kind of spoiled now on like the raw and smackdown like exclusive shows titles actually get defended yeah whereas on this one i was kind of like oh where's the ic belt where's you know the world tag team titles they're just not on there because they don't have enough time yeah the uh actually i think they tried to kind of put the IC title into that like week span, like the span of that week with Kofi Kingston yeah, defending I... it against our, not to get sidetracked off the pay-per-view, but the Raw beforehand, Kofi Kingston came out to defend Mickey James as she was getting oh, beat yes. up by Katie Lee Virtual. We saw that and then we get... And so uh, he ended up challenging Paul Virtual, who was out at the ring to a match of the IC title, which Kofi predictably kind of just beat him in well it's also like it that that was also like kind of forging the alliance between kofi and uh mickey james yeah. which, which we'll get into jamaican the, kofi jamaican kofi who's oh. yelling at paul virtual in a jamaican accent i was like this is mm, hilarious i don't like he was over which is like good but like as soon as he starts talking in his phony jamaican <laughs> accent i just cringe and i death. think uh in about like 12 episodes or so we'll get to actually where kofi 
is revealed as not Jamaican, and oh, it's boys. literally the funniest, um, <laughs> the funniest little promo I've ever, or not a promo, but just a backstage well, vignette I, I've ever seen. I don't even know why they made him Jamaican though. Like me neither, really. And then, and then, why did they make him? Like, did they go? Oh, I guess this is really cringy. Let's not make him Jamaican and make like him real embarrassed that he was pretending to be Jamaican because yeah. that's how you build a good guy. Like, I'm not really sure. But after Vince saw a black guy, yeah. is he from Jamaica? <laughs> but after we almost, I suppose, if his push in 2009 it can kind of continued on, then we would have had Jamaican Kofi challenging for the world title, which would have been hilarious. Oh and no! Bad at the same time, yeah, because he was gonna get a push at that yeah, point. He was, was just th- him and Randy Orton. Oh uh, yeah, because Randy Orton, like, if you look at the amount of people that just like Randy Orton hates, it's clearly everyone else. It's yeah. not Randy Orton that has the problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah, um, that was it. Was like a, this was a solid match, but it was just a shame that the people who won it, no one really cared. Yeah, and it was only like uh, ten minutes or so, which ties back into the not really having enough time to defend even the titles that you have on the card. Mm. Oh, well, it was a good opener at least. Like, yeah. you, like you need a good like solid ten. Minutes but they had or so. like uh, two or three matches on here that went for a long time that weren't even title matches. The um, we'll get to them later, but I feel like. The um, John Cena JBL match didn't really need to be as long as it was, but we'll talk about. We'll that talk about later. that later. We'll talk about a John Cena match that goes longer than it. What the hell? Is <laughs> um, we get a vignette for the Ric Flair DVD. That's in my notes because <laughs> I miss DVDs, as you as you remember from episode zero. <laughs> we love DVDs. We love DVDs. Um, then we go straight to a US title match. Matt Hardy versus Heel Shelton Benjamin. Matt the Hardy defending standard. the championship. Yes, Matt Hardy won some titles at some yeah. point. <laughs> what before. a surprise. Yeah, this is this is like Matt Hardy at probably his I'd say maybe his most over as a babyface aside from like woken broken, whatever. Yeah. Like oh. he's he gets he gets a solid response well, don't, from the crowd. Are you, well you counting Team Extreme back when they debuted that, No, no, that like, was like solid more, back then. Yeah, I'm thinking more of like a singles. Okay, like as yeah. a singles guy, he's probably that was probably his the yeah, most he's been pretty flaky in and out. Even if this was his most over, it wasn't really that over. Oh no, it was, it was very he's like by far more over now. Yeah, it was very generic babyface. I'm Jeff's brother yeah. kind of deal. Who is not on this show? I don't know why he's on the next one. I think is he? Yeah, I've, I'm really not sure. Knowing like I don't want to. Oh no, he was feuding. The reason he's not on the show is yeah. because the title he's yeah because. He's um, in a feud with MVP, and they have a match at the next pay-per-view that we'll do an episode on. Oh. But, um, yeah, he just wasn't really doing anything, and then MVP came out and, like, started feuding with him. Oh, that's So he's fun. not got much to do right now. But, yeah, it'll be a fun cool. match next up. Yeah, it'll be cool. Um, sign in the crowd says, I came from Ireland to see Matt Hardy. You poor, poor soul. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, I can understand, like, I'd probably, like, hold up a sign being like, I came from Tasmania to see Christian. Yeah, like, but, but it's still... I really hope you didn't come from Ireland to see Matt Hardy. So like, be listen, your... I, as soon as the Matt Hardy match is over, I'm just leaving. I have no interest <laughs> in the product of that. Um, Sheldon, like, he's firm into his, his heel kind of run. He doesn't get much of a reception when he comes out, but as the match changes, the crowd kind of buys into him more. Yeah. I really love uh, his kind of gold standard gimmick that he has from just about now until he leaves the company mm. for his first incarnation. Um, I think it was a really good 
kind of way to show his to showcase his athleticism while still maintaining like um a healy personality yeah i thought it, i i well, i didn't buy into it at first but as the match got on like i made lots of notes of that his kicks looked really like stiff and his submissions looked great so it was kind of like he's talented enough to make it work as a heel but he'd still be better as kind of like a flashy baby face because that's kind of his style in general right yeah well i think he can always be flashy but i'm not sure that he ever worked particularly well as a baby face because as a heel he doesn't really have to cut promos oh yeah that's true he just kind of is arrogant in the ring but as a baby face he's got to talk a bit more and yeah. i mean like to flash back to the current product real quick he's he's a bit better at cutting promos now like um with chad gable they had a really good promo with daniel bryan but back 10 years ago it probably wasn't that's why he had the run for a while with his mother his in mama benjamin i forgot his about his that mother which oh is his manager God. which was really bad but they had to give him a manager because he wasn't really good yeah like i i never i never remember him being a particularly good promo guy no which is what i think why they kept him as a heel just because he could do heel stuff in the ring and people would buy it mm. oh here's here's a fun thing into the mick mick foley and commentary saying that uh, his son's favorite wrestler is Shelton Benjamin. And I kind of liken it to, have you ever like seen on Facebook, I met one of those people that has kids and they'll say something that they, like they'll say, oh, my kid says this, said this. And it's very clearly something no kid would ever say. <laughs> yeah. like it's like it's um, someone like someone I knew was like um, talking about their kid being like, oh, my kid's very tolerant. Like I asked him like, about the marriage equality issue and they said oh it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman you deserve equality and i was just kind of like your kid didn't say that so mick says that his son said mick goes oh my son really likes shelton benjamin he said dad i love him because no one else in the wwe can do what shelton does inside that ring no child would ever say that i'm just like dewey didn't say that (laughs) literally john morrison (laughs) maybe dewey's like 20 at this point i don't know (laughs) dewey's just a smart living in me (laughs) shelton benjamin is my favorite oh shelton push him to the moon i think um jr comes up with a really neat fact here though that um there have been about 23 men who have held both the or this lineage of this particular US title and the Intercontinental Championship, and the last man to do it was Ric Flair. And if Shelton yeah. Benjamin was to win this match, um, then he would become part of that pretty exclusive group, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that is rad. Like, if anything you can get to compare anyone in the ring to Ric Flair, you should immediately do it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Like, um, uh, I found out during this match that Matt Hardy is in fact on ECW. I got a little bit weirded out because I was like, isn't the US title... First I thought US title was Raw, but then I realized it was SmackDown. And then I figured out that ECW and SmackDown are basically the same thing now. Yeah, they all just they kind of just were like, those are the B shows, we'll mix them together. I suppose, man, the it's not like the brand split we have today. It's really like... If you win a title, that title just comes over to the brand, yeah. and then they have to swap another title over. It's kind of messy. Yeah. See, if we if we like someone wins the universal title from SmackDown, they'd have to just change the strap and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm really glad that uh, a while, just like a, not long after this, they kind of just gave up and were like, nothing's exclusive. Anyone can show up on any yeah. show at any time, which like made the it Raw a little Super better. Show thing. Like they go to that. In yeah. A Raw years. Super Show. Yeah. Around 2011, I think. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get to that in <laughs> five years. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
big dueling chance for these two, like, or, or at least I heard them, and it was, yeah. it's very much like it's it's quite hard. Like Shelton does a good job, but it's still quite hard to boo him because he's he's Shelton friggin' Benjamin. Yeah, he's well, very talented. Matt Hardy's always guaranteed to get a chance at some point during a match oh, just yeah. because of like his history with Jeff and Team Extreme or whatever. But I really thought it was neat that Shelton was getting a chance to just recognizing how good the um mm. how good the match was and his performance was. My my next very like um very intellectual note here is Matt's beard during this period is the worst. I think you can say that about a lot of wrestlers. I think oh. we get to the one of the main events. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've written down so but like still it's like who like I look at the hurricane on his Instagram now and he's got like a bigger version of that where it's just the mutton chops full around, but the neck shaved and the mustache is shaved. And I'm like, I know all of us go through an Amish phase <laughs> at some point, but it takes a lot of effort to maintain that. Yeah, for a just long keep it going. Time. Uh, brave to keep that as your aesthetic. Uh, brave is this, is one <laughs> word for it. Give them the warrior award. Give them the warrior award. That'd be the worst year ever. Oh Jesus! If I don't, if that's not bad, uh, warrior was. A piece of shit anyway. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter. He's, he's not a good person or he wasn't a good person now he's oh, not a good person watch out. Life. Um, yeah. the finish of the match was a, a bit odd like um man, oh, no, i kind of enjoyed it well it, it was it was a bit like I, i'm not sure if it was just kind of an odd finish or they screwed it up yeah because um hardy goes for like a moonsault and basically it kind of looks like even if shelton didn't move he'd miss but Shelton just sticks up a knee and kind of knees him in the forehead. <laughs> yeah, you know? looked like it hurt. Yeah, it did. It looked pretty bad. So I think, like, I, I, I kind of enjoy it. Um, Shelton jumps up, hits him with the best move ever. Pay dirt, pay dirt. little Jimmy. I love um, flatliner, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's the pay dirt to me. It will always be the pay it dirt. It will to always me. be the pay dirt. Yeah, MVP uses at one point. I think. Um, I Does watched, he? Yeah, MVP ended up using the pay dirt for a while. Oh, that's like good. I think it was like after Shelton, like kind of. Fuck Vince off. is just like here. He's, yeah, he, he, yeah, and then our uh, truth used it. So yeah. it was literally like, "You're black. Use the pay." Dirt. I think right now MVP's finisher is the drive-by kick, which actually looks pretty brutal. Oh, I haven't seen any our truth matches in this era. No, um, oh right, MVP. Now. Oh MVP. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw that on like an episode of SmackDown. It's like it's like a shining wizard curb stomp. Yeah, it no, but it's, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then, like, well, I saw him use, like, a, like a halluva kick. On the <laughs> MVP is so underrated. MVP I really wish great. he'd come back. We'll, we'll get to MVP. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he hits him with the pay dirt. One, two, three, new United States champion, Shelton Benjamin. Gets... And he joins that exclusive club that JR mm-hmm. was talking about with Ric Flair, and which is pretty neat. Yeah, it's very cool. And then uh, JR brings up that he is the best pure athlete in WWE, which is like, it's very I cool. Think, that... Yeah, I think that was his moniker for just about yeah. the entire time he was in his gold standard run. Yeah, I, th- I think it's like, it's really cool to like, just see them pushing Shelton Benjamin because you completely forget that he was like, like people, most people look back and be like, "Yeah, he was in the Money in the Bank matches," but no, he was he was a featured guy. For yeah, a while. and if he could talk a little better, he would have been in the main event. And mm. I really wish that had come to fruition. And I hope that in his current run, oh, he yeah. might make some noise after he finishes with Chad Gable. I'm I'm very glad he he came back. Like I I'd he, love to see AJ Styles versus Sheldon Bedrin. That would be, be a so cool good. like singles match. Yeah. Oh. Uh, commentary switches to the tag team of all modern days, Cole and Lawler. Um, they're calling Punk, you know, an obvious underdog. By the way, CM Punk's the world heavyweight champion. Yeah. After um, this is babyface Punk as well. He's, Cash. 
Cashed in on edge. Yeah, he's booked so weak during this oh. whole this whole like um kind of build up with Batista. He's just it's basically treated as a foregone conclusion that Batista's just gonna like squash him in one minute. It's it's so it's so odd as like why like I remember I was talking to you like we'll get to the the match in a bit but I was like why wouldn't they build him up and you're like oh why would they build him up bigger than Batista and I'm like well why even give him the fucking belt yeah like, it's so true it doesn't and then I I made a note during the interview he's talking about how you know he's like underestimated and he's the underdog and he's not the biggest and he's not the strongest and but then he just doesn't tell you what he is it's. Punk's character at this time, it's very much telling you all the things he's not. Yeah. He's not look he doesn't look like a superstar. He's not as strong. He's not as fast. You're just giving me negatives. Yeah, like, well, I mean, I can kind of see where they were going with it though, because he's obviously very different to everyone else in the main event, like Cena, Triple H, Batista, even JBL to a certain degree. Um, and I think actually this kind of leads up pretty well to um his uh, run in the Straight Edge Society about a year later, where he's like, I'm completely different from everyone else that, like, you watch, um, and that sort of thing. Yeah, but, like, you're, you're trying to build him as a, as a babyface world champion, and you're not really giving, like, you're, you're not giving the fans any reason to cheer him other than the fact he's different, and the smart fans will go, well, it's CM Punk, he's a great technical wrestler. Yeah. You're just kind of saying, like, 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 that promo would have worked if he went, like, I have the most heart, or I'm smarter than Batista, or just something. But he literally just does a promo giving reasons as to why he's going to lose to Batista. <laughs> um, cut to uh, throwback. I, I have here throwback Edge trying to bang Alicia Fox, the <laughs> wedding planner, which is not the smartest idea. Um, and we have the WWE texting poll, which is a staple during this period. They are plug in the text poll like the wwe app they did yeah like, oh and i think the text poll for this particular pay-per-view is who do you sympathize with more vicky guerrero or edge in their whole um <laughs> who do you sympathize kind of... with the heel <laughs> the heel <laughs> yeah so um who do you sympathize more with edge cheating on alicia fox i never got why you would sympathize with edge other than he was just getting married to vicky guerrero yeah and, you can understand oh, him and oh god that poor man Oh god, you, you can't resist the temptation of Alicia Fox just showing I think this up. is the closest to the main event Alicia Fox has ever been. Ever in her, Yeah, well I mean it's just coming up to about 10 years since... I know, it's insane this. that like she's still around and she's yeah. a good worker as well. Like she's Yeah, good. she is. But they made, they yeah. debuted her as a wedding planner. <laughs> yeah, the like peaks of her career have been Edge and Vicky Guerrero's wedding planner and captain of a Survivor Series <laughs> team. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> and they came the like worst. nine years apart. Oh my god. Um, we move on to the ECW Championship match. Mark Henry, the ECW Champion, accompanied by Tony Atlas uh, versus Tommy Dreamer. Dream, ugh, Tommy Dreamer, accompanied by the white Tony Atlas, but skinnier, Colin Delaney. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it's the ECW Championship was treated re- really weirdly between like. Yeah. After it stopped being like equivalent to after they really started up the brand again, and it stopped being equivalent to like a world championship, like when Rob Van Dam yeah. pinned Cena, um, it just kind of went through hands of people who needed a break from like Raw and SmackDown. But yeah, because Kane really had it for a while. Like, yeah, like, look at the previous champions, like Kane, Big Show, Mark Chuck Henry, Henry, Mark right Henry, here, Mark Henry, Sam Punk. You know, it was kind of like. 
like not to compare it in any way to NXT, but like very much like, and they did the um, we'll come to it soon, I suppose maybe, but um, they did the um, they debuted a new superstar every week, and that's actually how Sheamus debuted. Oh yeah, it was, was the uh, new superstar yeah, initiative, right? Yeah, and he debuted, and then like two weeks later, he went to Raw and kicked like Jamie. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, he, he retired. Yeah, Jamie he retired Noble, Jamie Noble, but he threw him through a table or something. That's rest sort of thing. in peace, Jamie Noble. But yeah, ECW like... during this period was really wacky, as Mark Henry, accompanied by Tony Atlas as the ECW champion, can attest to. Yeah, it's. It's very odd. Also, I made a note here. I don't know why they didn't make this some sort of like no DQ match or something because Henry in the re- like I love Mark Henry, but him wrestling is the worst part of him. Like he's <laughs> he's not very entertaining unless he's just like killing someone. If like if you make it like a no disqualification, he match, was never really in like he was an, never an in ring guy. No, I mean like he never really was like. The type of guy to hit someone with a kendo stick, though. No, like, but it, but it's like he, he's at his most entertaining when he's like just killing. They folks. could have just made like no count out and him throwing no count out. <laughs> well, yeah, and he can throw like a Tommy Dreamer into like the still steps or whatever. Yeah, but it was like, and then Dreamer, like he's he's a, he's always been solid, but he but he works best in like a hardcore environment. Yeah, he does. But so it would have made the match more entertaining, like, and it would have given like the because no one in that arena thought that Tommy Dreamer was going to beat Mark Henry. No. I think that them going to... I the, all, Obviously, they were thinking about going to PG at the time since it happened like two days later. Mm. But this might have been... Not that the rest of the pay-per-view is PG by a long shot, but this might have been their way of seeing how well an ECW match on pay-per-view goes when you don't have like excessive violence and just treat it like a normal match. Yeah, but they kept doing that and this match was bad. They did, and I mean, the brand for the next, like, two years, or year and a half, or whatever, until it shut up shop and turned into NXT, or was replaced by NXT. The was, original game show, boys, was pretty NXT. bad. I love the original game show, NXT. I don't think we'll have a chance to talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about it at some point in the future, yeah. but it's, it's a reason why I don't think Jack's fully mentally capable. He <laughs> loves the original NXT. I would trade... Oh, I probably wouldn't trade current NXT, NXT <laughs> but I would love for... A, kind of a game, game show. show i didn't like tough enough but i like really loved the game show stuff yeah so i always think back fondly to you love NXT at that point. i do the corn-fed meathead <laughs> <laughs> oh so yeah this is a very very slow match um oh god slow is an understatement like audible like not even like you you can just like hear it like it's it's extremely audible boring chance like it's it's just loud clear as day and commentary is terrible as well like you got taz someone who's a bit capable and you have a guy who we're going to hear a lot more from in the future mike adamley yeah so taz has to get a new commentary partner soon who i don't actually know who is because mike adamley obviously is leaving the position of ecw commentator oh you're, you're gonna you're gonna love what happens they they switch um they switch Taz to uh, SmackDown. Oh, there's a dog in the room, if that's any background noise. A dog that looks like a cat. He's <laughs> so attracted does... to Mike Adamley. Like, it's going to dry hump Mike Adamley. <laughs> so what happens with Taz? He goes to Taz, Taz ends up in um, SmackDown, and they kind of switch it all around. And to my best memory, ECW ends up being 
my favourite commentators of all time, Todd Grisham and Matt Stryker. Oh, there you go. Matt Stryker. I love a bit of Matt Stryker. As a throwback to episode zero, actually, I think Matt Stryker was the host of WWE Afterburn. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Matt Which is Stryker. hilarious. And, and just, like, I loved him on commentary because he was just such a smirk. Yeah. Like like him at the Royal Rumble when, like, Kevin Nash came back. He's oh, like, no, it was it was Kevin Nash and then Booker T came out. Oh, I'm mocking out, bro. And he was like, holy shit. Yeah, and then... he actually said holy shit on commentary. <laughs> and then he definitely got fired. <laughs> I got into interviews, and then I remember I saw an interview with him. Um, he was talking about how Vince loved, like, him getting beaten up in backstage <laughs> segments after that. And I'm like, damn, dude. Um Tommy makes a bit of a comeback after Mark Henry's slow, slow it's just a, offense. Honestly, it's a pretty regular run-of-the-mill match. You're not missing anything by not watching oh. this match. And um, Tommy hits a neck breaker. Gets like they do the cool like visual of him going for the cover, but getting thrown off. Like, yeah, I, like I really love it when they do that with big dudes. Big dudes. <laughs> like I'm going to edit that to make it just oh, sound yeah. like you say, "I love uh-huh. big dudes." <laughs> Um, like when Brock gets pinned like early in the match and the oh, referee yeah. doesn't even get a one count and he just chucks the person off. Oh, it's, it's very cool. Um, he hits a DDT, kind of like doesn't go for the pin, even though that's, that's the most Tommy's... Tommy Dreamer move ever. Well, that's his finisher. Yeah. Like they, they, they act like, oh, DDT, but no, that's his, that's his finish. Like, um, he goes, he goes to the second rope to try and do something, but he does nothing because he gets betrayed by... Colin Delaney in his Watch first out. appearance ever. Colin, Colin Delaney, Delaney like hot shots him on the ropes. And I don't like, think it's his actual first appearance ever on WWE it's, television. It's his, no, it's his first pay per view though. Oh, is it? Oh, it's good. his first pay per view, and I think it's his only pay per view. If I remember, I wouldn't correctly. be surprised. Yeah, like he doesn't make a single pay per view appearance after this. Um, Mark Henry hits the world's strongest slam. It um, was actually pretty cool. He was on Dreamer was on the second that was rope, actually a good going spot, for yeah. like a I don't know whatever Dreamer does for the second rope elbows or something. something. I don't. And then Colin, he jumps off, but Colin grabs his arm, and then Mark kind of grabs him into a world's strongest slam. Yeah, it was really sick. That that was a pretty good spot. I know. I just said that you're not missing anything by watching that match, but definitely go watch the finish. (laughs) It was it was a good. I I thought it was solid. And then Taz acts like he literally just acts like. um, Remember when the Shield, like Seth Rollins, like betrayed the Shield, and the commentary was just like. Oh my god, what have we witnessed? He's playing me. Taz is just there being like, oh my god. Yeah, he treated us like the biggest like shock ever. Yeah, like, it's so it was, bad. Like when Triple H like drops Randy or uh Triple H tells Batista to drop Randy or it's like that level of what it, what has he done? Top ten anime betrayals. <laughs> yeah. like, Colin Delaney and Tommy Dreamer. Um I, I did do some notes on a side note, the career of Colin Delaney because it literally took me four or five lines, and it is... My God, because we're not going to be doing an episode on it, because, okay, um, Jack has just shown me a picture of SmackDown results. Bobby Roode won, which has made my mood Bobby Roode just pinned Jinder Mahal to win the US title. That's oh my God! I, I was going to try and stay away from current products. I didn't realize they were doing all the matches today. But... Yeah, they did like the semifinals and the final. Oh, thank God they didn't give Jinder Mahal another belt. Anyways, <laughs> we're getting sidetracked again. Um... Yeah, so Colin Delaney, he uh, he debuted on the ECW program, just basically losing to guys like Big Daddy V and everything, which is like Classic. always a good start. Um, they were essentially just kind of building him up as the Mikey Whipwreck of the new ECW, and if you don't know Mikey Whipwreck, it's like 
He was in the original. He was a big star in the original ECW debuted. He, was, he had a very good underdog gimmick because he was great at selling. He was a smaller guy. He'd get beaten up and he'd always come back, you know. And he was really embraced. And he became one of their big stars. But Colin Delaney's Delaney's no um no Mikey Whipwreck. He's not. He's like he's a smaller dude and he's good at selling. But like rather than having sympathy for him, you go, ha! Look at that little guy. He just got wrecked. You know. Yeah, it was. Definitely not up to the original, but mm. I suppose you can say that about every storyline. WWE tries to copy from like everything. everything. Um, one day, Miz and Morrison were, had him in a handicap match for some reason, uh, beat him, and just started beating him up. And then uh, Tommy Dreamer came in for the uh, came in for the save. So Tommy Dreamer and uh, Colin Delaney became butt buddies, I guess. Mentor yeah, it was mentee. just yeah. yeah. And then um, then this happened. Like, literally not that long into it. Um, Does it ever get... I definitely haven't watched ECW episodes from this era. Does it ever get explained why he betrayed him? No. He just... He comes <laughs> He comes out and he costs... Like, this This is like ECW for the next, like, two or three weeks. He comes out and he costs uh, Tommy Dreamer a match with Armando Estrada. And then, like, a couple weeks later... Uh, he beats him in an, Tommy beats him in an Extreme Rules match that goes about five minutes. Yeah, it was, and then that's the last time he was seen until he randomly popped up on out. SmackDown last yeah. year. He was, uh, yeah, just like a local competitor. He was a, he was a bludgeon brother boy. Yeah, <laughs> bludgeon brother bait. Yeah, so they they built this thing off up on pay per view and they blew it off in a five minute match on TV, and then Colin Delaney was never seen again. I. Don't know why they did any of this. I guess to like make Dreamer look strong, but like maybe they were thinking they could have got a Michael Whitrick thing going. But... Yeah, but then why they turn him like they could have kept him going as like this sympathetic babyface, but then like they just turn him heel, and then they were like, "Oh, cross cutting measures. Sorry, buddy, you're fired." Yeah, well, honestly, he wasn't. He probably wasn't going to last past the closure of ECW anyway, so... Yeah, that's true. You, you're not lasted wrong. that long. Um, next up, we have Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels. The one thing that people, you know, remember this show for is Chris Jericho's... Chris Jericho's... Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels. Uh, and we get, you know, fresh off a heel turn kind of thing, Chris Jericho. And I thought it'd be interesting to discuss, like, heel Chris Jericho because... As a like, this was when I kind of started watching wrestling, like oh eight or nine, and I remember I was very surprised when I found out Jericho used to have long hair and used to be yeah. like a fun rock and roller. Actually, like, when I first started watching um, wrestling, it was when Jericho and Big Show were in the Jerry oh. Show tag team, and it's actually hilarious to think back on now. But uh, they were facing, I think, Legacy or Priceless, as I suppose they were known. But just when it's the two of them. I thought it was like a matchup of I don't even know why I thought this a matchup of like young tag team talent and Jericho and Big Show were just like fresh you know young <laughs> wrestlers or whatever and I found out that that definitely wasn't the that, case that Big Show he's he's a he's a young talent yeah doing drop kicks <laughs> elbow drops from the top taking power bombs from Kevin Nash in two thousand seven <laughs> you know all um, that good stuff. It was it was kind of odd seeing like like this feud was was very good, but Jericho's still wearing like his old tights like from that period and still yeah. doing his like Michael Jackson pose. I think dorky. I think he did after this kind of this angle kind of wraps up. He changes his gimmick, which I suppose we'll get to. But um, 
into like the best of the world at what I do think. Yeah. He starts wearing suits all the time. And I think that's this, this angle is really intense, but his character probably relies on the angle a bit too much. And he gets better. Yeah. Um, once he moves away. Like, from like this. I hate to break kayfabe here, but I, I've watched SummerSlam. <gasps> and, and I haven't, no spoilers. And, and, he, <laughs> and he, he isn't in his shit tights for, for that one. He's, he's good. Um, like any, Looks friggin' like Patrick Bateman. Right? <laughs> um, at Night of Champions, the month before this, uh, Jericho lost his Intercontinental title to Kofi Kingston, who is not on this show due to interference from uh, Shawn Michaels. What do you love about this Kofi Kingston IC title run? Um, uh, that he had it because I totally didn't even remember. Like like <laughs> we were saying before, um, he defends it on Raw against Paul Birchall, and then when he ran out to save Mickey James and he ran out with the title I was like what is happening because I thought that it's probably a bit early for this but I thought Rey Mysterio had it because he and Chris Jericho traded a lot during like um late to late 2009 I don't know it's like yeah they, they get into like the feud like the the year after this uh, Mysterio Chris I think, Jericho must have been pretty busy during 2009 Chris he's Jericho's doing a lot of stuff he's a busy boy yeah yeah um, I I really like um, Jericho in the in the feud. It's a very subtle thing, but he's doing the um, sort of a, an uh, an allegory of a martyr, being like, you know, you won't be a martyr or whatever. Like lots of Jesus shit. Yeah, and I thought that was cool, kind of like because there's a few times they've done like the Shawn Michaels born again stuff into a into a gimmick, but I thought this was like really subtle. You know, I think that uh, Jericho, out of every wrestler on the roster at this time, which it's not that hard, but was probably the best at taking like outside influences and kind of trying to bring metaphors and that sort of thing into his character. Oh, yeah. I mean, but when you say, oh, he does that, can Jet, like JBL or John Cena, <laughs> like do that? And no. No, they can't. They obviously can't. And um, JBL has boobs. Yeah. <laughs> so Jericho doesn't have much competition on that front. But I think it's still pretty neat that even in a kind of, in a time where it was a bit less. Um, kind of metaphors coming out everywhere that someone can still do it oh, absolutely this this match as well is probably one of the most like i i told you before it at points it made me a bit uncomfortable like it's well, one of the most intense and uncomfortable matches i've ever seen like, well the thing is to start with that i mean Shawn michaels and chris jericho are obviously all-time great like in-ring yeah. wrestlers but to start with it's just a pretty regular match like um <laughs> Every, everything you'd expect from them without being terribly spectacular but the turning point comes probably midway through the match yeah yeah it's when they're, they're both outside the ring and, and Jericho just kind of like, like yeah, gives just, him a nudge with the elbow yeah swings a wide elbow at him mm, and, and which and, um busts him wide open yeah the, the <laughs> last example I'm pretty sure of someone blading on a, on a pay-per-view yeah which is actually pretty um I suppose it's pretty historical. And the, the last person that got to do it was Shawn Michaels. But dear but God, that was a lot of blood, though. It was. I'm definitely not sure. I, I'm i not sure if he meant to, do, like, blade as deep as he did, but um, he might have, considering how the match went. Yeah. Um, done it on purpose. Yeah, it was, It was like, the, the match was very much, from the, from the point of, like, when he got elbowed, there was... It definitely changed tone. Mm, I like feel it was, like. it was just all like it was mostly Jericho punching him in the eye, and then Michaels makes like a brief comeback with a cross face, it and turned, then Jericho just keeps punching him. Yeah, it turned really MMA. I thought, and yeah, just an interesting thing I noted was 
that prior to, prior to this in the show they'd done one of those things where it was like WWE.com has been viewed more times than like NFL.com, NASCAR.com, like combined. But they also included UFC.com. Really? I know that uh, it was popular in 2008, but I didn't think it was that popular. No. I wasn't sure if Vince was kind of trying to... I'm probably really reaching here, but I just noticed that um, that that kind of popped up as well and that Vince might have kind of been trying to just inject a little bit of that into the match without making it obviously like... um. Well, there was the whole thing in this period. There was a story where, um, I don't know when Pride closed down. It was at some point. Like, you're more yeah. of an expert in, like, MMA. But, yeah. um, Shane McMahon wanted to buy Pride. He did, yeah. Yeah. Um, which would have been, I don't know, would have been interesting. I don't really think that there would have been much crossover with WWE, though. No. I think that got bit pretty bad by Brawl for All back in... Brawl for All, I think it was back in 98 or something. Yeah, it was, um, I was like 98, 99 or something. Yeah, and was, the whole Ken terrible. Shamrock thing, they were kind of over it by that point. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, um... Um, another interesting thing ooh. is that uh, Chris Jericho is accompanied to the ring and is kind of accompanied oh, to yeah. all of his matches at this point by Lance Cade, who was... The gimmick is, is kind of like Colin Delaney on steroids. <laughs> that... Um, Colin, uh, not he's Colin e- Delaney. He's evil Colin <laughs> yeah. Delaney. Lance, well, Colin Delaney turns evil, maybe. Lan- uh, Lance Cade, um, the, the storyline is that Lance Cade went to learn wrestling from Shawn Michaels. He went to Shawn Michaels' wrestling school that he owns. Mm. Also, I think JR is on commentary on this one. I'm really not sure. I, I don't point. know. Commentary sw- switches like I've, three yeah, times. Yeah, um. And but then he turned against his mentor. It was really like a star sort of look that he turned against him and went to the dark oh side. God, he went <laughs> to the dark side. And kind of is Chris Jericho's like lackey. He's almost yeah. like um, Alex Wright. I like his Alex, Alex Riley. Riley. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Alex like Wright, the French dude from WCW. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's really interesting. I don't think Lance K does much during this match other than. At one point, he gives Shawn Michaels a good whack. Oh, yeah, a good boot. Yeah, a good boot to the eye once he's cut open, but before it's really bad. Um, but, yeah, he doesn't make much of an impact. But I just thought that was a pretty interesting little side yeah. note. Because, like, I, I remember Lance Cade. He was in the... Like, in 06 or 07, he was tagging with um, Trevor Murdoch, the, the tubby redneck dude. Yeah. And they were, they were tag champs. And then, I don't know if, like... He they brought him back, or if he was with the company still at this point, but he did this run, and we'll, we'll get to it. But it doesn't last too long. Spoilers: He's dead. <laughs> like he, he died a few years back. Yeah, unfortunately, I I thought he like he in this role he looked pretty good. Yeah, I, no, I, he I'd did. Like, a, he did an alright job. I'm not really sure when he left Jericho, but no, I'm I'm sure we'll get to it. I'd yeah. I'd, I'd like to before he leaves. Hopefully, see him in a match or something. I, yeah. We might do like a roar or something just to see that because it's. It's it's weird because it doesn't get talked about. Like this feud gets talked about a lot, but just Lance. Yeah, Cade Lance K just off to the side. Mm. But anyways, like for ten, like for ten uncomfortable minutes, you get like Jericho just punching. Shawn yeah, Marcus honestly, that's why I said eye. it was kind of like an MMA match because Shawn Michaels mm. is just kind of lying there and flopping around, and then Jericho is just punching him in the head, and he is really wearing the proverbial crimson mask. Oh he is covered. It's covered in blood. It's not just small. His face is really, really blood. Yeah, and then like afterwards, Bloody. Jericho is covered in neck. Yeah, he's, like, yeah. Oh, that's it's kind of pretty gross. But I think the ending is he kind of just traps his arm and then just punches yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, and the ref is like asking Shawn Michaels like, 
please let me stop the match. And Micah's like flopping over and saying, no, 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 no I've got to do it. And I really like this, but I've got, I've got it here that um, Chris Jericho keeps asking the ref, like, ask him, ask him if yeah, he wants to his, quit, that sort of thing. That's his I, old gimmick. Yeah, like, I love I really, yeah, it's pretty neat. See, the, the, other, the other moment I really enjoyed from this match was, like, he hits the elbow and you don't really notice it at first. And Jericho's just in the ring, and he oh, sees yeah, the yeah. Shawn Michaels start bleeding, and the expression on Jericho's face. I think the, like com- the commentary does a really good job of highlighting oh, yeah. as well, because obviously the TV cameras pick up before pick up that uh, Michaels is cut before Jericho picks up that yeah. he's cut. Um, and I think JR's, um, yeah, like I said before, I'm not sure who's on commentary, but he's like, yeah, well, Sh- Shawn Michaels has been like busted wide open but i don't think jericho's noticed yet he's not going for it and then once jericho realizes an expression on his face yeah. um he really like makes a point of realizing that he's um cut wide open which is pretty cool just mm. as a little thing yeah i was gonna say the one thing that that this mma like it's not like an mma match herb dean would have stopped this like, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely he's not asking Shawn Michaels if he wants to stop yeah but yeah they um eventually they're just like yeah it's stopped the match um Jericho wins via like referee stoppage, yeah, like, and they're just there's no music either, they're which just, is really intense. Yeah. yeah, they're just they're just attending to Shawn Michaels, and everyone's just like, Chris, what, what the hell are you doing? And he's just there like, Yeah, I won. <laughs> Did it? Nailed it. Yeah, it was it was it was very uncomfortable, but very very good, very great storytelling. Yeah, like that's that's the. It was a really good. Like, um, finish to yeah. the match. Like, this is the one match that people remember from this show, pretty much. Like, this yeah, is the one yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and that, And it's for a reason. Um, Are uh, you telling me they don't uh, <laughs> remember the next match on the card? Oh, boys. Well, we've got to get through an Edge interview first. Oh, wait, he, wait up. He looks sad, but is super obnoxious. <laughs> and he calls Triple H a pervert for putting a camera in his hotel room to reveal... That he was trying I to mean, bang Alicia Fox. Definitely not wrong about that. Yeah, I, I have here in my notes Triple H is a cuck. <laughs> <laughs> like he was into Alicia Fox and he's just like, I gotta set up a camera. <laughs> but yeah, the the entire feud is kind of it's it's one of the great wrestling feuds is Edge is marrying the the boss of SmackDown, Vicky Guerrero, a widow, of course. <laughs> and um and but his whole gimmick is that he's like you say I use this word too much, but he's such a sex pest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually um, don't remember much from uh, Edge between... Like, I've watched his old like tag team stuff with Christian, mm. obviously. And um, then this is kind of where my like knowledge or my remembering about Edge came back. Because this is where I started watching him again. So I didn't remember about how... Uh, Lewis was telling me about how much... Um, like sexuality and being a sex yeah. best played into his old angle with Lido. Yeah, they always they always used to imply that that Edge was just this some kind of sex freak. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure why they did that. Maybe he just looks it or maybe it's cuz he like he like Lido he Yeah. Well, they did the uh live sex celebration. Yeah, that was too. that was weird. Also, I can totally see Enzo doing something no, like that no, in the future. No. <laughs> Jack, we had creative fun. ideas for an Enzo Amore and Nia Jax live sex celebration. That's that would no be good. hilarious. But yeah, the, the angle with La Familia is great. Like, the, the family, like, I... Enzo could start up a new La Familia. I don't want... Oh, I suppose he has the Zo train. But... Yes, the Zo train. That's his family. <laughs> I found out the other day, uh, Noam Dar's injured, and I'm the only one who was like, damn it! <laughs> Love Noam Dar. Yeah. 
Yeah, you were the only one. Um, next up, the match that no one remembers. Uh, a match to determine the first ever Divas champion. A staple of the PGA, the Divas title. It's Michelle McCool versus Natalia. Natalia, in her very, very early career. As in, she hasn't even gotten her pre-Heart Dynasty music yet. She's no. still like kind of evil laugh rock yeah. music yeah it's really weird I, I don't remember this period and like it's it's odd because the match is surprisingly good but the entire time I'm like she has terrible entrance music and her attire is like the only way I can describe it is someone trying to like cosplay a, a sexy Mae Young but like half of the attire is like under her boob yeah but it's like it's weird it's a weird ring attire and, and she hasn't changed her hair to a blonde with uh, pink streaks in it yet because yeah. obviously she's not with the hard dynasty yeah, so it's kind of dynasty. like orange brown muck color <laughs> i don't know she's a ginger <laughs> but yeah was, but i actually really enjoyed this match but for what i it really was. don't know how she got into the match for the inaugural women's championship i couldn't really well, inaugural tell you. divas championship. oh divas they're not they're not women yeah. that, that comes, not women that comes like last year they're like you're women again <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, Mick Foley on commentary talking about uh, Natalia's strong thighs. <laughs> it's so weird. Mick Foley is a real sex pest. <laughs> no, he's, he's just like a dad. Like, do you ever do you ever meet like it was kind of like um, this is this is a very Australian reference. But when Tony Abbott was prime minister, <laughs> he, was, he was he was a very conservative Christian guy who came across as like an awkward dad robot. And there was one time where he was like talking. Being generous. I was being very generous to him. Like, if you want to get into it, he, I don't want to get super political in the political wrestling podcast. But there was a bit where they were talking about what he sees in one of his members of parliament. And he goes through things and he's like, oh, and uh, a bit of sex appeal. <laughs> and, and like, people are like, what the hell? And I'm like, that's just a really crap dad joke. And that's what, that's how Mick yeah. comes across here. It's it just a really, really awkward dad whose kid is a smirk for Shelton Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> I really, as much as we were crapping on Natalia's entrance music, I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for uh, Michelle McCool's entrance music. What was her entrance? I was think it the You're Not Enough yeah, For Me? Yeah, it's the You're Not oh, Enough For Me, one, which I actually kind of, like, unironically enjoy for no reason at all, other than it's just kind of like a good song. I, I just associate it with Lay Cool, which, which, yeah. is, a, which is the tag yeah, team. Yeah, after Michelle McCool... Um, retired she layla kind of just kept yeah, it like that was music for at least someone for ages yeah it's... and i think they used it before like for some generic like yeah female wrestler back in like 2005 or something well, it's, they love reusing their music for women like i remember they reused that one and they reused like this one where it was like um you look oh, so Jesus good to me. and they were really doing karaoke. Yes, they re they th- th- that was that was the song essentially for any male wrestler that seemed a bit gay. Yeah. So they used it for um Billy, Chuck and Rico, which yeah. was fucking bizarre that that happened. <laughs> and they used it for Santina Morella, oh. which which we will get to in like 10 that's, episodes. That's the usage that I most remember was for Santina, Santina Morella. <laughs> we'll get to the greatest gimmick of all time, yeah. Santina Morella. I'm really looking forward to getting to a the local kind of Oh thing. yeah, when the women's that, that was given a bit more time. Yeah, that was uh, quite good and unfortunately it had to end after Michelle McCool retired. When I was first watching, I hated Michelle McCool. I was like, well, obviously, I was the biggest Mark ever, right? But, yeah. like, yeah, she just really got under my skin. But now, watching back, I really appreciate um, the kind of lay cool angle. 
yeah, there were there were like female workers in an era where working didn't really matter. Yeah, because like true. the this... same thing with uh, Beth Phoenix and Gail oh, Kim. Yeah, even. yeah. Well, Gail Kim was like misused, and she just like left. Like she Gail was... Kim could come back now, I reckon. Well, do you remember how she quit like the second time? No, not really. They had like. They had a um, they had a battle royal in one of the rules. This was like the second. This is during a second run, and like her most recent run, which was years ago. They had like a battle royal with all the women on Raw for like the number one contenders spot. Yeah, of course. And they and they were telling like the agent of the match or something was just like, "Hey, can you get out of the ring as soon as possible? Like get eliminated really quick." And wow. she was like, "Okay." <laughs> and then like as soon as the match starts. She just leaves the ring and walks off. Wow. And the commentary is like, well, Gail Kim's left. That's aggressive. And she came backstage and everyone, like, no, barely anyone noticed. Oh, wow. And that's when she knew she was like, I have to get out of here. Yeah, like, definitely. That's super intense. This match was surprisingly good, though. Like, um, well, I mean, it was decent. They gave it. They gave him five minutes. And Natalia was was good in the ring. It was very intense. Um, you can tell she's still pretty new to the whole... Um... Well, I don't know wrestling on, but she for, for someone who's new, she takes to yeah, it very no. quick. Like her, her moves well, I mean, are very obviously, I don't want to be cliche, but it's in her blood. You it's know? in her blood, man. Her, her <laughs> uncle, man. Well, I mean, her father, but yeah, uh, no. Oh, yeah, that's more, <laughs> we're talking about Bret Hart rather than Jim Knight. Yeah. I feel like if you want to compare yourself to anyone. Jim Neidhart's not the As best. if she didn't use Jim Neidhart's music instead of Brett's. <laughs> well, it was so weird because they were trying to, like, in this match, they're kind of, like, trying to make her, like, a female Jim Neidhart. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's a bit difficult because Jim Neidhart's very ugly and an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you want to build to that. Anyways, uh, Michelle McCall, like, hooks in a, a heel hook and, and beats Natalia. First ever Divas champion, yep. Michelle McCool. Natalia got the sharpshooter going, but... But broke, like, the, you rarely see the sharpshooter getting broken, like... like oh, you, no, get, you, you do s- with Natalia, you <laughs> No, generally you'll see, like, a rope break, but not, like, a like a straight-up, like, oh, that's just true, yeah. get out of the sharpshooter. Normally she gets a uh, rope broken. Mm. Rope broken? And yeah. the, uh, the crowning of the first ever Divas champion has about, like, five seconds yeah, no, before Chris Jericho yeah. just comes right out. Yeah, well, Michelle McCool gets, like, um, some attention for actually, like, Eve comes running out before Eve was actually a wrestler, and she was just, like, a backstage well, interviewer. This, this is the thing, it was, like, Maria Kanellis and Eve were were on the show, but, like, they were characters, but they were also interviewers. It was yeah, weird. Yeah, but, no, but, um, Maria was wrestling around this Yeah, time, but she was but, also interviewing yeah. on SmackDown as well, so it was odd. But, yeah, they like, the Cherry and Eve come out, and then Jericho comes out, and he just starts talking about ticket stubs yeah he was like everyone in the arena go look at your ticket stub and like treasure it because Shawn Michaels has just wrestled his last match or whatever yeah I think he announces it after obviously pounding on Shawn's eye for the whole time that sounds bad he then (laughs) he then has Shawn Michaels has a detached retina so he's gonna have to retire and then of course he doesn't like actually have to that night and then the angle goes on for a little longer like yeah. what's Sean gonna do with his life sort of yeah, thing we'll which actually that on Slam, feeds into the end of the year um, angle which is a really good one but oh yeah. yeah this angle so far is great but like I just thought it'd be funny if he did it in like uh, 2018 and be like you know look at your ticket stubs and I was like I just got a screenshot of the yeah. QR code on my phone <laughs> I'll post it on Insta um we go through a CM Punk vignette fairly boring of course we do and we go straight into CM Punk versus Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship and the title of the worst facial hair. I know Matt Hardy had the worst beard, but Punk and Batista, I don't know, they're just inching a little bit a little bit worse with their facial hair. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's 
pretty damn bad. I'm not gonna lie. Batista phase where everyone knows he had like the worst soul patch ever. <laughs> but like so people terrible. people forget Punk had like stubble, but like yeah. a goatee stubble. Not good choices, especially when you're on television. Like, come on, boys. <laughs> You have to look at yourself every week if you, you want to really get better. Do. do you want to like a look at that? <laughs> but yeah, they um, mixed response for both guys. Clearly, like Batista is probably the more over of the two. But like, yeah. still... well, that's the thing that like over the this whole angle, I suppose, and he, especially in this match, Punk is booked like really, really weak. Like he's mm. the world champion, but it's made to look like the um, in vignettes and flashbacks and that sort of thing. That the and I suppose it's true. The only reason he's world champion is because Edge came out and... Batista wrecked, attacked him. Yeah, wrecked Batista, and then CM Punk ran in with money in the bank. But yeah. I think they did a pretty... Honestly, this could have all ended up pretty similar to Jack Swagger's money in the bank cashing and then World oh, Title yeah. run, because that's how weak they booked CM Punk here. I'm not really sure how he ended up like surviving, how well, bad this was. The, the thing I wrote from, from this match, because they, they do have a good match. Like it's that's, a good match. That's the difference between... Um, I suppose that's how CM Punk survives, that it's actually yeah. really good. And yeah, Jack gonna, Swagger is not. I was going to say, that's, that's that's the difference between these two rungs. Swagger's matches were just kind of average. Punk's matches, like, no matter what, he puts on a he puts on a good performance. Like, it was a good match, and they at at the start it was it was very competitive, and they have the good psychology of like the speed and kicks versus the power. Honestly, after that ends, he's just starts losing on match. Batista just yeah, just shits all over. Yeah, him. like on, on the they take he takes him to the outside, just gives him a spine bust to the outside and rolls him in. Yeah, just Batista and, throwing him around the whole time. Yeah, and then we we get the the most unexpected run in of all time. <laughs> It's Kane. Well, actually, if you watch the um, the lead up into this match, oh, yeah. Kane Kane's got like a weird thing for CM Punk. Like <laughs> he's over got the, a thing for CM Punk. Over the fortnight before, he'd been like coming up to CM Punk and be like, "Give me like, give me like a match for the world title." Give me matches. The thing about Kane at this point in time is he's carrying around the weird little bag and. Apparently, yeah. Lewis has figured out yeah. by remembering what's in the bag, but I have no idea. I actually looked it up because I, I was looking at pay-per-view results, and I was like, I never find out. And I was looking at Wikipedia, I'm like, <laughs> I never find out. Because Kane's basically, the past few weeks, his gimmick's been, um, he comes out, he has like a, a little like bag like kind of thing. Like one that like he could probably keep some... Like I thought it was small at first, but yeah. it's kind of big. Like, it's you, pretty big. You could keep like a, like a mug Human in there. head. Like a, a, a cane action figure, um, and and he's just like carrying around the bag, and he's and just he's like he's screaming at people. Yeah, is he alive or dead? Or something? yeah, he's like, is he alive or is he dead? And so he comes up because prior to this, Sam Punk and Kane had been like a tag team. Briefly. Yeah, like a brief tag team. Um, and so he comes up running like this is before the pay per view uh, on Raw. He comes up running to him. And he's like, I need like a match for the world title. Like I need to know if he's alive or dead, and he's running around spastic with the um. <laughs> they keep calling the little him bag on commentary. This they would not get aware of this today. They they've called him a couple times. I don't know if it's during this show, but on Raw they called him the schizophrenic Kane. <laughs> and so it's really weird. So I mean, it's the run in at the pay per view for the finish of the match is not out of nowhere necessarily, but it's pretty pretty yeah. random and Cause it's it like, doesn't lead anywhere either so it's just kind of to save Punk from losing well, the title yeah the, the, the whole thing is like Kane comes out he attacks Batista and then he, the bell rings first yes. he attacks Batista then the bell rings yes yeah, see this is this is my main gripe with the match because then he attacks 
punk as well after the bell yeah yeah and then he leaves and they're like it's a double disqualification I'm like no (laughs) that's just a normal disqualification (laughs) mate but yeah basically he spazzes out attacks everyone and then um afterwards like Punk holds up the belt like a like a really chicken shit heel. Like he comes off as a yeah. as a real like bitch. him and Batista are like staring down the ring and Punk holds up the belt. And I'm like, are you for real? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Batista just shits on him. Batista bombs yeah, him. He and just I'm like, kicks him in the guts and Batista. I'm like, him. yeah, this this doesn't like babyface does not work. <laughs> definitely not the way to book your world champion. I'm not gonna it's, lie. Well, as, it'd work if he was a heel. Like, if he was a heel, like, if after this he turns, it would make sense. He doesn't turn after this. Like, all logic would say you turn a man, like, after yeah. this. But no. But yeah, like, my bonus question was, what do you think's in Kane's bag and who does he want to know is alive or dead? Well, I thought that, um, I wasn't really thinking about outside storylines at this point in time, but I wasn't really sure it was in the bag but i thought it was going to be is undertaker alive or dead because he's not around at this point in time no because but... he got banished by vicky guerrero after he lost to edge at one night stand i think um probably to, yeah outside of kayfabe in real life probably to take some time after taking like a ladder bump through like four different tables mm. and but then he just comes back at SummerSlam, obviously because vicky guerrero reinstates him so it's obviously not um the undertaker and it wouldn't be Paul Bearer either because Paul Bearer doesn't come back this right, yeah. early. He doesn't yeah, come he doesn't back, come back 2010. from 2010, 2011, that sort of thing. So I'm still really not sure. I'm not sure what's in the bag. At, at first, if I had to have a guess, I'd think it'd be like, I don't know, Undertaker's the hat or something. I'm really not sure. But... See, see, he was my first... My first thing was like... Because um, I know what WrestleCraft.com has a really great write-up of this. Like a very good write-up. <laughs> not I, sponsored, by the way. Not sponsored by WrestleCraft. It's the first episode of a podcast. Someone sponsor us. <laughs> I, I would recommend you check out the WrestleCraft Wrestlecra- write-up. It's it's a very great write-up. They talk about the original plan for it. My first thing was like, maybe he's talking about his dad and maybe like in the bag. Like, Isn't Paul Bear his dad? Well, um, yeah, maybe he's like Paul Bearer or his original parents, like his stepdad or something. And I was thinking in his bag, like, would be like a like one of the like shard like remains of the house that burned oh, down that's the funeral home. Yeah. It's not that. Um, my second guess would was like maybe that like like I know masked Kane doesn't come back this quick, and I know no. like fake Kane doesn't before come this, so I know it's I know it's not masked Kane, and I. I found out that, that was the original plan. Oh, okay. That's and interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I want to get into it or not because he's not on the next show. Like, he's not on SummerSlam. We'll find out down the road. Yeah, because it's it's very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it'll still be interesting to see what it was because yeah. I honestly have no recollection at all. It's terrible. Don't get your hopes, hopes <laughs> up at all. Well, it must be better than what he was doing. Uh, well, a year later, right? He's, I think, actually a year later, SummerSlam 2009, he's wrestling the Great Carly in a kendo match. Oh, Jesus. That's something random that I remember. I need to stop this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it kind of been that impactful. Uh, up next, we have the New York City parking lot brawl, or as John Cena would call it, the automobile <laughs> lot brawl. Um, this was built up because... Um, there was no general manager and JBL was just being a bit of a prick. Yeah, really. Cause, and, um, and then and then he tried to... And then he literally did something that would murder John Cena yeah. in the build-up to this match. The, the lead-up was um, JBL being like, I'm going to wrestle Triple H, I guess, for the WWE title. No, he's going to wrestle um, Punk because oh, like, yeah, Punk no, was different the champion brands, of the yeah. brand. 
He's going to wrestle Punk, and he's like, I can't have Cena in the building, because otherwise Cena will, like, stick up for the good guy, I guess. Yeah, which Cena is funny and Punk thing. get along yeah. really well. <laughs> we'll see that. Um, um, and so he just hires, like, 20 security dudes <laughs> to, like, take John Cena out of the building, and they succeed, I guess. I'm sure if we, like, looked at the security dudes, we'd just find a bunch of random exactly, people. Yeah, like that's this. what I think we should do. Um, and oh, then, there's Gavin Spears, okay? Ty <laughs> Dillinger. I mean, Seamus was security at one point. Yeah, before. in the UK. And then yeah. Wade Barrett was... Um, I remember Johnny Gargano, Johnny Gargano who yeah. was, like, on the original NXT as a security guy. And, I mean, how can you forget the classic CM Punk was, like, a druid in Undertaker's WrestleMania. Oh, CM Punk was, like, a gangster as well for yeah, John, for John Cena, thing. Which is... I think that's, like... Everyone knows that fact by Fun now. fact. But everyone think, knows it. I feel like that's really interesting. But, um... So, yeah. the So, obviously, JBL does not end up succeeding in his match against CM Punk. And then he just enters like a, how dare you feud, I how guess, with you. Cena. Yeah. And the main event of the Raw before this pay-per-view is John Cena and Crime Time <laughs> versus, um, versus Priceless, yeah, Priceless and Price. JBL, which is so hilarious to think about. Just thinking about Crime Time in general... We'll get more to them because they, they have a fairly prominent role in a couple of pay-per-views time, but it's just amazing that this team <laughs> ever existed. Yeah. It's crazy that it happened, but I mean, I like JTG and Shad as wrestlers, so... I yeah, that's know. that's how you justify you liking yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's the... Uh, but like, the, the thing is, like, Cena's, like... I was watching the segment, like, before, before oh, um, yeah, yeah, American yeah. Bash, where it's... Um, Cena goes out into the parking lot because they've yeah, challenged goes, him to a parking lot brawl. Yeah, and so after the after the three on three um, tag match, John Cena goes out back to look for JBL, who's run off, and it's crazy. He's back. He's not backstage. He's like literally out in the parking lot, kind of jumping around looking for JBL. Where yeah, they have be. so many camera cuts. Yeah, as well. it's really weird. It's like kind of shot like oh, a shitty what's, what's horror movie. Kevin Dunn, I was going to yeah. say, it's Kevin Dunn's just wet dream. It's yeah. just camera cuts. And he's like, well, oh, probably Kevin God. Dunn's what, who did it. Yeah, Kevin Dunn's yeah. been like in production for years and like the thing that I know just from like watching shows is he gets a real hard on for camera cuts. <laughs> so... Cena's like looking around and then JBL ends up jumping him with like a like a crowbar yeah crowbar or a spanner or something spanner <laughs> anyway <laughs> Cena gets in no offense and then this is hilarious JBL props him uh, he's on the ground JBL like sits him up against the side of a car um, in preparation for the spot coming up and Cena kind of like is dead weight and like no sells it and slumps over onto the ground and JBL has to double back and prop Cena up properly again <laughs> this time so he doesn't fall over and ruin the spot and so JBL hops in a car and then he murders is, him he, he murders him literally murders him he just drives the car right into Cena's face see, see this is the thing I don't like in wrestling, like I can understand. Like I've watched a bit of Lucha Underground. They have murder on there, right? Yeah. But it's, but like, it's, it's different. It, yeah, it's understandable because in that universe, there's also weird spirit stuff. Unless it's a storyline with the Undertaker, I feel like you should avoid murder in WWE because it doesn't make sense. Like John Cena cannot physically survive getting run over by a car. Like he should be dead. Yeah, and you can't even excuse it. Like some people say. Like, Mr. McMahon getting exploded in his car. Like, oh, he could have gotten out earlier or whatever. But in this one, the camera's literally... They have, like, a dashboard camera on John as the car goes. And there's literally no way he could have, like, yeah. gotten out of the way. He was just sitting there. 
and you got like sandwiched between a speeding car and another like car. Yeah, like, and the, and the way they build it up on commentary, I think it's I don't know, I think it's who's on commentary? Yeah, it's like Cole, and he's like they take uh, it seriously, but not yeah, they, as seriously not, as they no, should. No, they go like, oh, he tried to end his career, and I'm like, yeah. no, he tried to murder him. It's <laughs> attempted murder. It should be real fun- murder. The funniest bit is when JBL gets out of the car. He kind of like looks scared and like looks over to where like the collision was, and he's just like, Ugh, and then runs off like. And he's uh, it's post the match, so he doesn't have any clothes on or anything. He's just in <laughs> his wrestling trunks, like go like, Ugh, yeah. and then does his little jog off. I just and that's and that's how Raw ends before the pay per view. <laughs> I just need to put it out there. Like, I would not like to be in a room alone with JBL, but. Yeah. In this period, he is the least intimidating looking person. He has got like bigger boobs than me. Like he's, and then when he jogs at the end of yeah. Raw, his boobs are just jiggling real hard. And like if anyone needs to wear a shirt William, while wrestling, man. William Regal versus JBL. Yeah, but Regal boobs. like towards the end, like wore like tights or a shirt That's or true, something. Yeah. Like Jesus. That's hilarious. Anyway, so there's back this to the, back to this. Shit yeah, back show. to their pay-per-views. So after he gets murdered, the start of the park. <laughs> lot brawl is um jbl walking into the parking lot and then him asking the referee is he here yet is he here is and he the ref's here? like no is no he alive or is he dead <laughs> no one's no one's the ref's like no one's been here like and so jbl just kind of hangs out <laughs> hangs out hangs out and john cena jumps him and i'm like wow great eyesight referee <laughs> yeah he was hiding in a car yeah also we need to acknowledge the fact that john cena does not call cars cars he a hundred percent of the time calls them Automobiles. automobiles like he's he, he puts so much emphasis like in one of the promos leading up it's like i will fight you in a parking lot full of automobiles <laughs> anyways he was hiding in an automobile um and he just starts kicking his ass and then so, um yeah so JBL, like, i just want to be like how the fuck can he be like all right at this point he doesn't show any signs of like damage no, it's like you, you'd think at least... And then we'll get more into it, into the match, because they do some real, like, murder yeah. stuff. Like, not even, like, This is potential. actually insane. Like, this is ba- this is a pretty good way to send off the era before, like, turning it's, everything PG. But it's, like, it's weirdly violent, but weirdly comedic. Yeah. But the commentary... Like, during this whole bit, while they're backstage, there is no commentary. It's literally all. just raw audio from... Yeah, and, and you get, other. like, some crowd noise, but or, or maybe you don't, because the crowd's... Like, if they do, the crowd's dead. Yeah. And, and it's just so... It, like, they don't even talk a lot of trash. Like, it's like Rock Mankind in the empty arena. You could, like, understand... Yeah, Rock was they're... just talking the whole time. Yeah, none of, neither of them were talking. Like, the fun thing you get to see is when, um like, Cena's beating him up, JBL, like, hits him in the balls so hard that Cena starts, like, coughing like an <laughs> asthma cough. Like, and I'm like, Jesus! Lung cancer, we out of here. Lung cancer with a kick to the balls. <laughs> and it's just, it's so bad. Um, I think the next really insane spot that comes up is um, Cena putting... Like um jumper cable. Oh yeah, he does. He does on, the cane chain McMahon yeah, thing. That's what, yeah, that's exactly what I have down here. Is that <laughs> it's not quite as funny because when Kane does it to Shane McMahon, he pours like water on his balls first, and he's like handcuffed. <laughs> and see this one, they just play an electric sound effect yeah. during it, like a comical like Tom <laughs> and Jerry like, one. What the hell is happening? Like <laughs> it's so kinky. I think in the Kane Shane one, actually, Rob Van Dam comes out to try and like help. Shame, but Kane's just like, No, I'm gonna electrocute your bitch. balls with a car battery. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm um, so John Cena, happens. ever the baby face, electrocutes JBL's balls with a car battery. <laughs> and then, um, like JBL makes makes the comeback, um, puts Cena in a car, 
and grabs some gasoline out of his limousine. So Why do like, you have gasoline in your? Uh, it was obviously like premeditated, premeditated murder. He was going to light John Cena on fire, so he pours gasoline all over the car John's in and sets it on fire. And it's actually a really pretty spectacular spot because the whole car goes up on fire. Yeah, but John Cena isn't dead. Like yeah, at all the very the ref- least, he needs to look like Kane. All the referees like put the fire out. Like yeah, about ref- five seconds after it starts, and then John Cena's like, "Well, I was in the car the whole time, and only the outside of the car." I was on fire, so I'm fine. That doesn't work. <laughs> if you set a car on fire, you're screwed. But then the next, like the next Cena comeback is like Cena's all right. Cena like puts a JBO in like a car and then like impales it with a forklift. It was actually like I was like, holy shit, is JBO dead? But he was on like the far side from the forklift, so he's fine. It's it's like I I know it's wrestling. You got to suspend your disbelief, but. Someone this whole thing is really died. Yeah, this whole thing is really hard to suspend the disbelief for. Like, someone had to have died. Like, yeah. come on. So after John impales the, <laughs> after um, John like murders him back, yeah, impales the car. He like lifts it up with the forklift and he drives it out to like the ring side. Yeah, and then he just goes like, which is. Yeah, which is where commentary starts yeah, up again. Yeah, commentary like it's like as they back as, out. Yeah, it, as soon as they enter like the arena, commentary's like, Whoop, we're back. Um, so he drives it out there, and then I think the ending's actually really shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, they get out of all of the murder spots, and they come out to the ring, and John's about to, like, um, well, at the time, it, it's the attitude adjustment, but it was called Yeah, the, yeah, I, I was so shocked, I completely forgot it was called, it was called, called the, the F-U. F-U. And the STF's called the STF. Do you, do you get it? F-U means <laughs> fuck off, mate. <laughs> um, and he's about to do it, and then JBL just kind of reverses it, shoves him off the stage into a car, yeah. and then just... Pins him. Pins him on a car hood as well. So his shoulders weren't even down. They were on the car hood as as an (laughs) automobile on brawl. Um, so... Well, I... The thing I hated about this was, like, we just saw, like... Like, on Raw, we saw a murder spot. We saw two murder spots in this match. JBL beats him by just kind of throwing him onto a car. Yeah. Like, it's... I mean, it was a pretty good spot, I suppose, because he lands on the windshield and all the glass cracks everywhere. And then when... So JBL pins in one, two, three, clean, might I add, off like the worst spot. Well, oh, I just ha- said it was as, as clean as you can get in a match with yeah. so many murder spots. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, I won, whatever. And he gets up and goes off. And then John Cena like slowly stirs. And as he gets up, he's like, music starts Yeah, playing. and I was like, this isn't a fucking house show. You don't play the baby faces music to send the crowd open, home happy. Like, go to the back, man. Yeah. You lost. But he actually, um, it was... It was a little intense, I suppose, at least, because when he smashed through the windshield, all, like, the glass shards, and that got into, like, his skin, and so he gets up, and it's all embedded in his, like, shirt, and on his arm, it's all, he's all cut open, which I thought was, obviously, you can't mean to do that, but it, it well, looks it was, it pretty was, like, cool. plexiglass, probably, but it, like, probably. fucks up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, JBL beats John Cena in 2008. Clean without using his finisher. A semi main event in any arena in the country. By God. Um, up next, they recap the mobile texting voting poll. Apparently, ten percent of more people uh, sympathise with Edge rather than Vicky, which means fifty-five percent to forty-five percent. Yeah, fifty-five percent of people shouldn't get married. Yeah, like no, the dicks. Not at all. Like, <laughs> how do you like? I know Vicky isn't the nicest person, but like, Jesus Christ. Um. I know, I know we're going a bit overtime, but I really want to talk about the Triple H, like the Edge Vicky wedding segment from the SmackDown yeah. before this, because it is one of the best things I've ever... Like that whole episode of SmackDown 
like it starts off like like the wedding's like out of the arena and this is the reception right and so yeah. they're just doing all sorts of wedding shit but at the same time they're kind of booking the show and they're just being real dicks about yeah everything. it's actually really funny yeah yeah like there's a bit where like um they're doing a dance and big show comes out and tries to <laughs> dance with vicky i don't know if that's foreshadowing for wrestlemania definitely 25. foreshadowing yeah he tries to, and then and then edge is like well, I'm putting you in a four-on-one handicap match with the great Carly, and I'm like, no, I don't want the great Carly. And, and he like, um, he special refs a match where Hawkins and Ryder beat up like Finley and Hornswoggle. So it's just the whole show is just making them real hateable. And then it's the the ending segment where like Triple H interrupts them just being dicks in the middle of the ring, and it's it's just so it's so awkward and uncomfortable. You know, the the classic angle Triple H reveals that. Edge basically implied like he, he probably fucked the wedding planner Alicia Fox. Yeah, it was actually the the segment was the um he comes out as they're getting married, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Oh no, it's like the reception, so they've already oh, gotten yeah. married. Yeah, so they're already married and they're just kind of in there and Chavo's there in his nice little suit or whatever. Chavo in his nice little suit. And he suit. comes out and he stuff. I can't remember what the first thing he like, he, he was like, I've got three wedding presents for you guys. Oh, he's, he's like, I have a couple wedding presents. He's like, he's like, makes, makes the video and Ed just like, stop playing the video and he's like, well, my next present is this and it's a sledgehammer and everyone's just like, nope, we're not going near you. Like, <laughs> like um, and then the, Bam Neal is like, oh man, boy. The second it. present was, it was like Vicky the, Guerrero's. Oh yeah, the granny panties. Gran- granny panties. There's nothing I love more in a PGR of wrestling than <laughs> fat shaming a widow. Like, yeah, and Jesus. That he was like, oh, you guys don't want these so big. I suppose I can park my car under them or something. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> like now, like if it was Vicky, wasn't it? Like, oh, it was. It was. But then there's like there's the reveal, and yeah. I found I find that Edge just flirts with women very weirdly. Like his, his. Oh yeah, but the thing the thing about the the video starts with um Edge just talking a lot of shit about Vicky, like how she laughs and that sort of thing. And Vicky's, like, annoyed, but it looks like Edge does that a lot, like, with the people around her, yeah. and she's not actually that surprised, and I was yeah, like, wow, that's fucked up. But, yeah, and she's just like, oh, that Edge, he thinks I'm yeah. fat, you know. But then it comes to a bit where it's like, he kind of tries to flirt with her, but she's like, eh, and he's like, oh, my my delts. Yeah, and then, I'm so sore. Yeah, and he's, he's like, how does it feel? Does it does it feel tight? And he's, and he's, and she's like, um, oh, it feels pretty loose. And he's like, oh, it's getting stiffer, I can tell. <laughs> and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, thank God just this like, is like start, TV 14. They just start making out. Yeah, well, he, after he goes, you are such an attractive woman. Yeah. And then Vicky starts crying. I was like, dude, what dude, why did you cheat on my mom? <laughs> well, not his, but it's like his aunt. Yeah, it's not his mom. See, the thing I found funny out of all this is Edge is like doing lots of sexual jokes through the wedding thing, being like, Basically, like, yeah, I, I banged Vicky. And Chavo's just there, like, yeah, cool, man. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> good, good work, brother. But yeah, so, so the entirety of La Familia is mad at him. And he has to face Triple H for the WWE title. So it's I like thought, mind games. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, though, how, um, like, we'll get to it later. I suppose, I feel like I've said that, like, 20 times. We'll get to it yeah. later, brother. But, um, Triple H, like, comes out and just fucks with, like, Edge's family and that sort of thing. And then, not, but 
it's probably six or seven months later, the exact same thing is being done to Triple H by Randy Orton in the whole IED angle, where he comes... It's obviously not quite to the no, same I extent. No, like, I feel like, like, Otherwise, cucking, tri- yeah. like a cucking thing is a bit different, different to, to like, a sexual assault. Yeah, but, we'll, we'll uh, get to the, the we'll sexual to it, assault. I, Jesus. I thought that it was interesting that Triple H... Like did it, and that happened to him, and he went like full like home invasion insane. Yeah, he's like I'm gonna sp-. like he's he's a bully, but he but he can't take it as well as yeah. he can dish it out. This match was was really good, like a uh, good old sign saying on the under like edge of divorce and edge yeah. is an underline just in case you didn't get it. Um, um, I actually back to like the storyline surrounding. I never yeah. connected that Edge cheating on Vicky with Alicia is paid back by Vicky. Um, to Edge with her cheating on the big show. Oh, yeah, that happens in the end. Yeah, and it's interesting that it's revealed, like, Edge cheating is revealed by Triple H, and then Vicky cheating is revealed by John Cena. (laughs) And also, one of the best lines ever is, Vicky, you got some splaining to do. That's not a good line. I absolutely love it. The way that John says it. He says it in, like, a Mexican-esque accent as well. it's a reference to something. It's a reference to something, and he's just like, Vicky, you got some splaining. We'll find out in time for WrestleMania. (laughs) (laughs) If we ever get there. Um, Apparently, this is the first time these two have faced off in a world title match. Which is interesting. I don't think it happens that much more, really. No, it's it's like most... Because, I mean, Edge retires in, like... Three years yeah, and Triple years. H is like, I was surprised. I don't remember him being on SmackDown, but he was on SmackDown during this period, which yeah. is odd. Um, but yeah, um, good match, like quick start. You know, it's a Triple H match, so it's a little slow, but it's like he takes a bunch of bumps to the outside, which is cringy, like knowing that he has to retire due to a bunch of neck stuff. Yeah, unfortunate. Mm. Mick Foley uh, talking about Edge's nepotism when he's in the ring with Triple H, the man <laughs> with all of the nepotism. <laughs> Nepotism, the wrestler. Nepotism, the man, <laughs> the legend. But yeah, it was a good. It was a good match. What I mean, think? it was a. It was a good match. It was a decent match. It wasn't anything to write home. About Obviously, it was a salt. The crowd was hot for it yeah, as well, especially yeah. like because they have a really solid back and forth where it's um Triple H being like overpowering and aggressive, but Edge being like intelligent, but also like you've ruined my personal life. Yeah. But then, which is weird because he's been like the cerebral assassin when Triple H is meant to be the cerebral assassin. Well, he did. He cerebraled the hell out of him by like, oh, I suppose, but by cucking I'm... him out, <laughs> reverse cucking. You've been cucked. <laughs> oh, it's like a reverse cucked as well. <laughs> oh, but it was, it was like they they have a good like the back and forth psychology is really good. But then the the ending is what everyone like remembers from this match. Holy shit! So Alicia Fox runs down the ring while they're both Triple H and Edge are kind of laid out. And she grabs the title from, like, the ring, the timekeeper or whatever. I don't know what she was going to do with it. The the first and only time Alicia Fox has ever touched the WWE (laughs) Championship. And so she kind of, like, runs around to the entrance side of the ring. Mm. And I still... Because she still, like, kind of likes Edge. So I suppose she was going to try and hit Triple H with it. But then Edge gets DQ'd. I'm still really not sure. Yeah, I don't know what she was trying to do. But then... The, the crowd Vicky yeah no well the the camera's on like uh, on Alicia and the crowd pops really hard the hardest <laughs> pop of, of Vicky's the career yeah. like and it's just shit. her like running her way down the ring she does like a JBL run yeah. as well she's like ah! and, and like ten minutes later she gets the ring yeah but we got to talk about that lariat though like yeah. she clotheslines from hell yeah. Alicia Fox yeah. like she holy absolutely wrecks God Alicia. and so they end up kind of I don't know 
getting in the ring somehow. Because yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm really not sure how. Well, the, the way they explain her on commentary is like, well, Vicky's the GM of SmackDown. She can do whatever she wants. Like yeah, for ref DQs yeah. a decuse someone. Like she can just restart the match. Yeah, or she'll get like, so they get so they get into the ring, and. They're kind of squabbling over the title, and Triple H is like, "That's my title, give it here." It's so, <laughs> my title, and give so me. like Triple H is holding Vicky, and Vicky's holding Alicia, and then Edge is in the corner. He's like, "Oh fuck, I'm gonna spear the fuck out of Alicia." Yeah, and... but why is he gonna spear Alicia? Like, I don't get it. And also Triple H, I guess, because he's at the back. He's which... just he's just a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah, and so he runs to spear, and then Triple H and Alicia both bail like the same yeah. time. And then he just spears Vicky, which is, like, the biggest move of all time. My and also God. why she's in a wheelchair for, like, the next six months. Well, she was in a wheelchair, like, for a while before this. Like, a little while. Like, I remember... Or maybe I'm no, thinking... No, I'm, no, thinking, about, I'm thinking about 2009. Because I remember, I remember her being with Edge, but in a wheelchair. So, yeah, yeah it was no, just yeah. like... It's he just He spears her, and she never... Or I sp- we'll get to it um, a bit later. But she's crippled. <laughs> yeah, she takes a lot more damage by Edge, um, both physically and emotionally. I suppose. Yes, that that wheelchair bounds you. She's the, yes. she and she becomes the Professor X of SmackDown. So Vicky's basically laid out, and Edge is like, "Oh, oh no, no, what the fuck I have I done?" Speared my wife, who's and then, also my boss. And then he kind of turns around and Triple H just pedigrees him and pins him. He eats a pedigree, gets pinned, and one, two, three, clean win for Triple H, who has. Literally no part in this whole storyline. Apart other, from just being a dick. Yeah, other than to just bury Edge and laugh a million and reveal that Edge is cheating. Which I think um, is kind of like a recurring theme with people feuding with Edge during his La Familia phase. They didn't really do anything. It was all just focused on Edge the whole time. Which isn't No, Edge is an entertaining character. But it's just like um, how it ended up happening. Like the same thing with Undertaker who's... In this is like a placeholder, I suppose, in his overarching feud with The Undertaker. But The Undertaker is an old man and shows up for like two pay-per-views and that's about it. Um, and doesn't actually do anything apart from win and lose and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, was, I, I really enjoyed the main event because it was like... Like we're we're kind of like the the pay per views nowadays they're 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 good but the the one thing that I found lacking especially on the Raw side has been like solid main events like remember like Lesnar was like the only real good Lesnar match I remember is the four way like yeah, the match with yeah. Braun was disappointing the match with Joe was disappointing like, <laughs> you didn't like Great Balls of Fire I didn't like the name of Great Balls of Fire <laughs> that's for sure Great Balls of Fire <laughs> I love the S. <laughs> But yeah, it was like I th- I thought it was a good solid match and a good way to cap off like a surprisingly good pay per view. What, yeah, what were it was your actually, overall... um, <laughs> my overall opinions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it was better than I thought it was going to be. I think it's by far not the worst that we're going to be covering oh, during this God, whole no. adventure into That'll the PGA. That'll probably be WrestleMania twenty five. How dare you? <laughs> That's my favorite. He's a mark ever, for WrestleMania twenty five. No, um, but yeah, it was good. Decent, um, above average, I can say that at least. What was, what was your uh, match or moment of the night? Oh, my moment of the night. Uh, the moment of the night, I'd probably pop the hardest, like, oh, marked out the hardest. I don't know what you want to say for the fire spot in the um. Oh my Javier. god! Because I really thought that was going to be like the finish of the match. They really got me with that. I thought it they, was going to be. You really like, got him with the fire, uh, yeah, your well, dead no, spot. I, yeah, well, I thought the whole. I did, I haven't, you thought John Cena died? Just <laughs> no, then. 
But I thought the gimmick of this feud was going to be that John Cena continually dies like, by being <laughs> run over, by being set on fire and that sort of thing. But the So that actively excited you, the fact that you might get to see John Cena. <laughs> hey, hey, maybe. No. <laughs> oh, um, God. But I thought that match was pretty good just for the crazy spots it did because this is a real wow. send-off to um, TV yeah, 14 and WWE programming. I think that match along with the Michael Jericho match, which was probably the best match of the night mm. um, in terms of like psychology, maybe not the best in-ring match of the night, but it's up there. It's either that or the WWE Championship match, the best like technical Yeah, This this, pay, this pay-per-view kind of encapsulates everything I, I really enjoy, but also kind of despise about this sort of place and time. Like, yeah. there, there is, it's, it's kind of odd. There is like, sorts of, like lots of staples of the PG era. Like there's, a women's match going five minutes, the Divas title, um, Triple H on top, and but there's also just like random fire spots and yeah. lots of blood and like so it's it is a very good send off to that kind of ruthless aggressiony era because the the era had long since passed but it was yeah. it was very much a good send off to yeah, an already bygone era. But yeah, my my match tonight would probably be uh, Michael's Jericho. Yeah, it I, was, it's probably the standout match. I would say I fucking hated that parking lot, bro. <laughs> I'm not saying it was a good match. I just <laughs> it was mostly just the um, jumper cable spot, the fire spot, <laughs> the forklift spot, and then the crappy finish. Um, All the things you love about wrestling. Well, yeah. So it wasn't obviously a good match, but it just had like three parts it, where it was it like, "Holy my, shit!" It kept my attention. Definitely. I'll give it that. You're just I, kind of waiting for them to do something. I was crazy. hate watching it. <laughs> but yeah, I saw a solid pay per view overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for joining us yeah, on the we'll very be first episode. Back with episode number two, SummerSlam 2008. Oh, holy god! Hopefully that's gonna be fun. Good one. Well, it's our first one with Santino and Morella, so I think I'm going to have a great time. Based, based Santino. Based Santino. So from myself, Lewis, from myself, Jack, I uh, hope you have a good one. Uh, we are on Twitter, at PG Wrestling Pod. Yep. Uh, if you'd like to follow us there, or if you'd like to send us any questions or queries, you can take a look at uh, PG Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Signing out. Sign out, catchphrase. See you later.
I really love big dudes. 